Let's make planning this year's garden a lot easier with the Planter app. This app is packed full of features. It has companion and combative planting, which are indicated by green and red circles. It has a simple drag and drop interface. It has 80 plus plants and thousands of varieties. All the info is needed to grow veggies, including when to start seeds, transplant and harvest, the ability to create custom plants and varieties, a growing guide with in-depth articles to supplement the quick info in the app, not to mention that you can view it and use it both on your PC and on your mobile device, so you can always be planning your garden on the go. This app is used in my garden year-round to plan the upcoming seasons, reference the last year's seasons so I know when to rotate, and it also helps me to learn more about companion planning using the visual cues. When you create your garden, it's going to be based on the dimensions and each block is going to be a square foot. I've had a lot of fun using this app and the Planter app, which is spelled P-L-A-N-T-E-R, is available in your app store on both Google and Apple. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and plan your garden and use the link below to get a discount on the Planter app. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. When you think of heavy feeders, Batavia, what do you think about? Greedy plants. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, look, that's a good one. I, I agree with that. Yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> I've heard about this for a long time and a couple years ago I kind of started to get it more and more but um, there are definitely some crops that demand more out of you than you know something easier so we're going to be talking about stuff that really feeds heavy we really need to put the nutrients to them in whatever manner we want and I'm sure we'll talk about different ways to give them nutrients too so um, I do want to say this before we get started Thank you to the Planter app for sponsoring the show. Thank you to everybody who's a patron and subscribed on Apple. And if you want to join us, you can do that on Patreon slash Backyard Gardens, or you can hit us up on your Apple app for to be an Apple subscriber. And you get those extra episode a month. And really, you're supporting the show. But... We're going to be focusing on summer since we're really getting into that. And I don't know. Um, I think at this point, most people should be getting ready to plant their or have already planted their summer crops. Don't you think? I don't know. When is this? Mid-May? Yeah, something like that. This airs? Uh, getting close. Yeah, I probably still are going to be I'm going to be nursing um, spring vegetables, probably hardening off summer vegetables. If that. <laughs> Which we talked about in Just our... Just tell me I got a late start for summer stuff. Yeah, you did. Yeah, we were talking about that in the last um, Patreon episode. So we did a full garden update for us. And it's crazy how different our gardens are right now. But mm-hmm. um, I have noticed over the years that there are some crops that I just have a really hard time getting what I think should they should be producing. And... I've never, I've, you know, I go and I look at them. I don't see any diseases. I don't see anything like that. But then I see the tall tale sign of like a yellowing leaf or like leaves that just aren't as green. 
And that was my symbol to start looking into this of like, well, why is this happening? And it's usually a deficiency of some sort. So for the record, I fertilize and where do you stand on it now? Um, it depends on the space. It depends on what I'm doing. I try to feed uh, my containers just because my theory is um, there's a lot of nutrients kind of seeping out with watering. Yeah. Um, it's not like when you're in, in ground or in a raised bed where it kind of sits there, even if you are watering it. So I, I tried it to at the beginning of the planting season and then, you know, once or twice, depending on the type of fertilizer. Uh, fertilize in the growing season Um, raised beds for me which is the majority of my garden it's hit or miss you know so I planted out some brassicas um, right at the end of April and I fertilized like per plant you know and so I'm pretty sure I'll come back in with like liquid fertilizer you know a few times during the season once it gets a bit warmer um but you know the rest of the garden like we'll see and what are you i think generally i'm i'm very good when i'm first planting as the garden season wears on i become a little bit negligent so what are you using for liquid fertilizer um i am almost exclusively using um fish and seaweed okay like a fish emulsion type deal Uh, fertilizer yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so first of all, I love fish emulsion. Always have. Um, I do granulated fertilizers, um, and I also do another. I'm doing trying another liquid fertilizer out this year. And dude, I'm just like you. I start off strong, and then as the season progresses, mm-hmm. I kind of back off. And I really this year, I want to make it a point not to do that. You know, I want to try and stick with it throughout the year and see if I can turn the corner on some of my my problem children so um you know one i'm not ready to make that commitment (laughs) so one of them for me has been peppers um i just Mm -hmm. man it seems like i know they love the heat so the heat shouldn't be a problem but it always seems like they get they start to get kind of beat up and as mm-hmm. I've looked into this more and more, especially for this episode, come to find out it's one of the high demanding vegetables for summertime is, you know, peppers. So um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to really focus. And with when I'm mixing my beds together with different crops, I'm having to, you know, some of them don't need to be fertilized as much. Some of them do. So it's trying to find that happy medium, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's. Yeah, I mean, I think. Go ahead. I think the trouble with, with this for me is um, generally I'm a skeptic when it comes to this. Now, at the kind of ground level, no pun intended, um, I realize that what you're growing needs to be fed. I get yeah. that. Right. You know, um, how much becomes my question mark. Right. Right. You know, so any. Any fertilizer you purchase, which isn't the only way to feed your soil, as a note, but any fertilizer you purchase is going to have some recommended application rates. You know, generally they'll tell you frequency. Generally you'll get, you know, although the calculations are are not the greatest in a lot of cases, some may tell you per container, you know, some may tell you like, you know, 10 foot rows apply one cup if it's like a granular fertilizer. So they give you some direction. 
you know. Um, but I'm not convinced that um, it takes everything else into account. It's kind of like add this fertilizer at this rate if all things are equal, you know. And I think I have some beds that have more um, life in them that are more um, healthier, if you will, than others. You know, and some of it has to do with the age of the bed. Some of it has to do with, you know, the soil makeup as the years have turned, what I've grown in it previously, you know. So all of that said, you know, it's it's peppers are a good example of a crop that I've almost never had an issue with. You know, and once I learned bell peppers aren't going to give you 60 peppers yeah. per plant, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like once I got past that, you know, um, and that's actually one that I commonly grow in containers and I don't know if I said at the beginning it's my intention you know to fertilize my containers but I've not been consistent with that either you know if I take a step back I've not from 2019 backwards I didn't fertilize at all with like some added fertilizer right you know um, liquid or granular and I've done you know generally a piss poor job from 2020 forward yeah Yeah. um so but you add soil that has fertilizer in it right um well i I add soil that has organic matter in it right Right. i add compost you know that has organic matter in it that's going to feed right you know in both cases um feed the soil feed the plants yeah so those are i mean the power of compost is amazing and the mulch too as mulch breaks down, it's adding nutrients back to it. So, you know, depending, mm-hmm. and that's it, one of the things, like, I know you're going to roll your eyes, but like with the wood mulch and stuff, if I could get past the first like year or two and actually let it break down completely, I think that it would be, it's a great additive because you had it in your garden for many years, didn't you? No, not many I years. Um, I probably did like two seasons of it. Um, and when I got to the point of, so I'm going to say I probably started using wood chips in 2018 or 2019 or mm-hmm. something. And then, you know, going back to 2020, 2021, I can't remember which year I decided to stop using them um, just because of the difficulties with the roly polies and the um, and needing to move the mulch around, you know, because it would start to break down over the season. Right. So it wasn't large enough to easily slide aside, you know, that weird bit. But you bring up a good point in that. A lot of what we talk about is kind of plant to plant to plant, you know, so these beds are not being prepped and then, you know, come back in a year and start planting. That's not how many of us garden. Right. You know. Yeah. And I I use the fertilizers because I plant year round. So I'm not really giving my beds enough of a break. And interestingly enough, one year Mm -hmm. I left one bed blank um, and I planted... I want to say it was like a winter rye in it or mm-hmm. something like that. And then in the spring, I turned it over and I had amazing that that bed in itself did really good the next year. And I think it's just I got mm-hmm. the rest. You know, I did amend it over the winter like I usually do. But then we, you know, when we flipped that back over, it was able to break back down into the soil and stuff like that. And I think it, it did keep feeding the plants after that. But we had all mm-hmm. kinds, you know, doing all of these little things do add up. But when I started using granular fertilizers, and I use organic fertilizers, which there is a difference. Not all fertilizers are made equally. 
Um, it, you know, it takes time for them to kick in. And I think I read it at one point because I was having issues with my peppers. Um, and I was like, how long does it, you know, I Googled, how long does it take for organic fertilizer to break down and start to work? And the number that I got was like two to three weeks. So it's like, okay, you put it in, but then two to three weeks, you start seeing the benefits. And that's, that's a long time in a growing mm-hmm. season. Whereas synthetic yeah. fertilizers will instantly work, but you can really over fertilize your plants a lot easier with the synthetic fertilizers, which is why I've always tried to stay away from them. Cause that's like my worst fear is like burning my plants with fertilizer. That would kill me. <laughs> I was afraid of that um, originally. Um, but I've, I think I, I mean, my approach and, and how infrequent I think I'm fine with that. Um, I think generally outside of the routine of fertilizing, because some fertilizers, um, there's a granular fertilizer I use in all purpose. Um, and it is said to feed for three months. Yeah. So all in all, I could probably come in and use it twice a season, growing season, the full, you know, growing uh, period for me and be okay. Yeah. Right. You know, but there's something and I haven't done a bunch of research on it. There's something that it just kind of gnaws at me. Like it feels like taking vitamins instead of eating, you know, a balanced and healthy diet. That that's that's what it feels like to me, you know, Um, or better yet, you know, getting instead of getting a good night's sleep, drinking a Red Bull, you know, (laughs) so um, so I I realized that um when it comes to fertilizing, that you're just going to have situations, growing situations where you're going to need some added boost. But I don't look at, you know, kind of the fertilizers that we're talking about as it's not like it's not going to improve things for me next season. Other than the small asterisk of I'm not straining the soil for as much nutrients because the fertilizer is doing that. Right. You know, so maybe my soil becomes stays a little bit more balanced, right. you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's also an argument to be made about what you're growing and where, you know, if you're continuing to grow, I don't know, tomatoes in the same bed every year. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you're tapping out, you know, that that growing space. Um, yeah. So there's a lot there. There. There is a lot there, there. And I will say, I watched something recently where um, somebody had historically, you know, used synthetic fertilizers and then in the past few years has switched to organic fertilizers. And that analogy has made me think of that because, you know, it. I think the synthetic fertilizers are like the Red Bull, where you get that quick boost, you're feeding them, but it's not doing anything for your soil, where the organic fertilizers... It's like it's like drinking a power smoothie. You know what I mean with mm. superfoods in it like it breaks down in the soil but it also adds to the soil and feeds the soil, right? And so um it comes up because corn is another big one. You know, corn is a really heavy feeder and one of the things that mm-hmm. a lot of people say is like after you grow corn, your soil is very depleted because it just mm-hmm. requires so much out of it. And the thing is with switching to the organic fertilizers and the compost and stuff like that, which we're going to, for this conversation, we're going to lump all that together um, unless it needs mm-hmm. to be pulled out. But 
Um, it just it feeds the soil more and more. Even the granular ones, you know, it, it gives back to the soil. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it may be inert, but it's doing, you know, when you're doing the granular, you're adding a little bit of drainage. You're feeding the microbial life, if, if you know, if you want to consider that, which is important. But with the corn, like they've noticed that if you use the organic methods, that soil, you can grow behind it and actually have something grow behind it besides like really struggling to get it up and running. Mm -hmm. And because the organic stuff takes so long to break down, you're basically hedging your bet against that. So like my theory has been, I always feed right when I plant and then I'll come back in and especially some of these crops that just stay in for the whole season and I'll feed them like every month to six weeks but then even when I'm going to pull them, I'll go ahead and re-fertilize a couple weeks beforehand because they'll start breaking down again and feeding that soil more. Whereas the synthetic stuff, it's just once it's taken up, it's gone, it's done, and it does leave your soil more depleted. Doesn't mean it's right or wrong to use it, but it's just that's kind of like one of the downsides of using that synthetic stuff. So, you know, like the fish emulsion. I know that that really mm-hmm. helps feed the soil. And that's, I've used that. I injected it through that injector that I'm using. And I have noticed over the year, this year, that it has been better doing that because my goal has been to feed, more so feed the soil than the plants. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You got to have mm-hmm. a healthy yeah. foundation. Yeah, yeah agreed. Um, and I think that then you start to again fold in things like compost, fold in things like. You know, in some cases, if needed, topping off your beds, I don't, I generally, because of where I was growing, like on the concrete patio and soil escapes, I would top off those beds every year. Mm -hmm. You know, um, my, um, inside of the cage, maybe generally, you know, it depends. I mean, at some point it became, it wasn't in my budget to continue to add soil to soil. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's a note. Um, I think that, and it, this is just maybe a lack of knowledge creates uh, you know, skepticism in me. Like, so yeah, you know, these organic fertilizers, they do a bit to feed the soil versus the plant, which is what we want, right? Um, but how much? You know, like, you know, the meal I had on Monday, the hope is that there's no, no remnants of it by, you know, a few days from then, right? right? Um, so, again, going back even to the labels, feeds, feed up to X months, you know, for some of them. Um, so, this isn't me saying, like, anti-it because, you know, I got a whole um, shelf area in my garage where I have all this stuff cr- stacked up. You know, when I find a deal, I'm going to buy it up. Um, but I think that... Um, I think just give some consideration to are we overstating what some of these methods are doing. Um, I, on one hand, can say they're, I've been planting some things year after year after year and not shown any issues until you do. Yeah. You know, um, so so there's there's a note for that. I think there's also this bit of we feel like something is, is done really well. And if you tie it to this episode, heavy feeders and the alternative is, you know, light feeders. There's some things that can perform really well in your garden. And it's because they don't need a whole lot of nutrients. Um, there's something that, you know, we do when with house plants, indoor plants and 
you know, potting up, it's the same idea, you know, um, or repotting, same concept as gardening. And there's sometimes you'll find when you pull a plant out of a container, all you see is roots, you know, and there's very, very little soil in there. Um, and a part of the reason why you're potting up is you've observed, you know, either you're watering it way more often than you did, you did before. Like, and we open that thing up, there's nothing to hold in that moisture because right. all you have is roots, right? You know, now this <clears> generally <throat> happens, you know, over a number of years versus a growing season. And so I get the concept of at some point what, you know, the, those roots are eating up that soil, which I think is kind of magical, right? And for a lot of the things we're growing as annuals in our garden, you don't have that same opportunity, but the concept is still right. there, you know? So don't get me wrong, right? You know, like, um, even for perennials at some point uh, for vegetables and, and herbs and things at some point that thing is going to eat up all of that soil, you know, not in actuality, right. but um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, 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 you start to develop your style as a gardener methods you use. Um, I also sometimes think about like availability, you know, cause you're still dependent you know, on the machine, you know, um, when we're talking about using some of these bagged or, or bottled fertilizers, right? Not to say that I'm trying to be completely independent. Yeah. And I think that's where composts really and mulches really step in because you're constantly adding to that, you know. So mm. how much compost do you add a year to your garden roughly? Like per bed? Mm. A... Yeah, seven by four foot bed, which my the width of is probably always a little bit smaller than that. I easily add a bag, a twenty five pound bag of compost, right. a year. So that's minimally, yeah. You know, so at the beginning of the year, and I may depending on, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna call it twenty five five pound bag, which I've told you before. I think it says something like it's for a hundred foot space. Yeah. Yeah, so that's you a twenty eight so. square foot area. Yeah, so that's a, I mean that's a lot of compost to be putting in. So essentially, you're using an organic fertilizer just in a different method, you know. Um, yep. mm-hmm. You know, I've done that before where I've added a lot of compost, and I actually had bad results because I added too much compost. Mm-hmm. So that's where I've tried to find the happy medium, and I went back to topsoil this year, which has been working really well. And I can visually see the texture differences in the soil. I can see how it's retaining mm-hmm. water differently. So that's really worked out um, good for me. But, you know, and it's interesting, too, because like uh, NPK, so you've got nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium. The phosphorus Mm -hmm. doesn't really leave your garden. So, you you know, you've kind of got to manage those levels. But the nitrogen is water soluble, so it rinses out. Mm -hmm. So it'll wash Mm -hmm. out. It'll get used up. And that's where like the fish fertilizer and stuff like that really kicks in. And the beauty about like the fish fertilizers and stuff is they're not really strong. So um, I was reading about this the other a couple weeks ago and you can really feed with that like every week because it gets used up so fast and you're just getting trace amounts of the Mm -hmm. P and the K in there. So, you know, it's Mm -hmm, a good mm -hmm. boost, but there's way more to those kinds of fertilizers and just like fertilizing you know, because essentially what you're doing is you're putting life back into the garden in a different way. So um, yeah. the only problem I have with the fish fertilizer is every time I add it, something digs in my garden. It's annoying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, smell. The smell. Yeah. And it's, it's a brutal smell. I did it in the greenhouse this year in the wintertime. Woo. It was tough. I had to air it out for a couple of days. 
so far I haven't had any animals digging when I've had things digging it's been before I started fertilizing with um, liquid fertilizer like before I started in the season um, but it's definitely a fly trap yeah <laughs> so um, you know don't do it before you're gonna have a, a family gathering or something at your house yeah and it's like um, if you go like cantaloupes are another really big feeder they're really heavy which interestingly enough, I've got this list pulled up here. Watermelon is not a as a heavy; it's a medium demand vegetable. It's not super heavy, which I found interesting because I'd think like to create a big melon of any kind, you would need it, but for some reason, it's labeled differently. Um, now, tomatoes. I don't really have a lot of problems with tomatoes as far as like needing more nutrients or anything like that. Mm-hmm. This seems like they take care of themselves. Do you have that experience? I mean. I don't think so. Um, I think it depends on what your theory is around what causes blossom end rot. You know. Yeah. Some say it's a calcium deficiency. I think we've talked about before the plant, you know, the soil, it's the plant isn't able to take up the calcium, you know, kind of it's there. But and then we've also talked about, you know, it's uh, a watering issue. You know, it could be a watering issue as far as what results in it. So other than that. No, I feel like they do the thing they're going to do. You know? So when I had the issue a couple of years ago, I talked to the my local extension service about it after I got my soil test. And what he said was, yes, it is a calcium deficiency. But what the calcium deficiency means is it limits the amount of water the tomato can intake into the plant. So it's kind of like, they go hand in hand. You know what I mean? So, um, which I found interesting. And I actually, one year I had something that's called a yield booster and it was like a spray you spray on the plant. I did it for my watermelons because every single one of them was getting blossom end rot. And so I went out there and I would spray it. And sure enough, I instantly, I didn't, I was starting to harvest watermelons and I would go out there like every week and you know, spray this bottle on it. But what he told me was, you know, the fact that it can't uptake the water get, makes it a watering issue. But the fact that it doesn't have the calcium makes a watering issue a problem. So it was really confusing to me. Um, and that's, I think that's where people <laughs> do the Tums and stuff like that for their tomatoes because it gives, puts the calcium in, which we don't really recommend because the tomato plant doesn't we have hard burn. Remedy. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> now that I believe is drinking the Red Bull, throwing a Tums in or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think it's more important to kind of figure out what it is and then try and stay on top of it and make it so it's not an issue at all. You know, without adding mm-hmm, a Tums mm-hmm. or Alka Seltzer or whatever the home remedy is. Um, Another method that we probably do and we don't even realize it is planting certain plants that put nitrogen back into the soil. You know, like peas, for example, are nitrogen fixers. You know, anything that's like a nitrogen fixer, if you read about it, those will help. Yeah, but for for peas, isn't it? It's not just planting it. It's leaving the root and the nodules in the soil afterwards, right? Exactly. And so that was the next thing is like when we pull up our plants, are we pulling up the whole root system or are you just cutting them off and letting the roots die off into the ground? 
because mm-hmm. I do the latter, and the theory behind that is like the roots will break down and it will create water channels and help with compaction and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's more organic matter. Yeah. Um, I um, interestingly enough, I uh, related. I monitor as I work in beds, primarily primarily at the beginning of the season. I monitor how many worms I see. You yeah. Know? And so there are spaces where it's like, you know, get the dump truck of worms because there's nothing in sight. And then there are places where there's a plenty. And I've, I have seen a trend where if I've left something in place in the garden, which isn't my preference, just from an aesthetic, you know, like I've left a buffet for them. Um, I, I had a couple of fun. I mean, if I have a root vegetable, you better believe I've left some of it in the ground. Let's yeah. just say that. <laughs> so there are a couple of spaces. I had some carrots from last year, some in one space. They were actually whole and edible this spring and other places they were mush. And you can see, oh, well, yeah, these worms like it, you know. And so that's that's, again, a part of kind of feeding your soil. You know, you can consider that. It's all of these little bitty things I think matter, but I don't think that there is like one answer that's going to, for long term, going to solve it all. And that's the hard part. Like I want to be able to go, if I have a routine for planting, all right, I can do that every year. You know, I can even be robotic like, you know, the everything you do every year impacts everything you need to right. do when it comes to feeding your garden every year. And that part is probably the part that, again, it's a little bit magical, but it is a little bit annoying as well. So I got to rotate my crops and I got to figure out which feeders are, which plants are light feeders versus heavy feeders and not planting too many heavy feeders together and so on. And to your earlier point, if you're if you're mixing your crops in a space, you know, are they playing well together? Not that they are um, foes, not necessarily that. But do you have one robbing soil or nutrients from another? Yeah. You know? Well, my answer is to it all is lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? And it's funny because lettuce is a medium feeder too, a medium demand. They lie. Yeah. You know, I've seen it on multiple websites. I don't necessarily believe that either, but this is what we see. I mean, they also say okra is, and I have never had a problem with okra. I actually. I think the last two years, my okra harvest has been subpar. I've attributed it to I planted it later and we didn't have enough hot, hot days, you know, so plants got height, plants, you know, spread out, um, but they weren't producing like, you know, the you're selling them on the street corner because, you know, you can't give them yeah. away, you know. Yeah. And it's... um. The organic, so you were talking about the worms. I've, I've experienced the same thing where I'll leave the roots, I'll pull up something that had a root in it because maybe it'll be in my way or something. So I have to pull the root mm-hmm. and sure enough, there'll be worms all wrapped up in it. Mm-hmm. The worst thing you can do is go buy worms and put them in your garden because I hate to tell you, but they're just going to leave. If they don't have what they, if they're not there already, they're not mm-hmm. going to yeah. stay there. They're just going to be like, no, this isn't good. They're going to go somewhere else. So the, the goal is to be feeding that soil enough. And I, I, I personally think that, you know, the presence of earthworms is a good scale of the nutrition of your soil. Because if they are mm-hmm. present, then you have organic matter, you have moisture, 
you don't have excess predators inside of your soil. So you're starting to get an idea of it, you know. Um, the farm up the mm-hmm, street mm-hmm. for me, for example, they this year everybody's growing corn. I'm, I didn't really pay attention last year, but I'm pretty sure they were all growing soybeans last year. So they were rotating in and out. You know, they don't always, and crop rotation is, is one that's big. I do think there is a little bit of a learning curve behind it about like what it can take, what needs to be as a heavy feeder, this, that, and the other. And I do know based off my reading in companion plants, that's a big part of the companion plants is you're not mixing in heavy feeders with heavy feeders. You're kind of putting in your low demand with your high demand, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, I think that is a big part amongst the pests and stuff, but that's another big component of that. So mm-hmm. if you look at it, you know, it's like I do peppers and um, tomatoes together and they are not both heavy feeders, just the peppers are. So the tomatoes are a little bit lighter. So, you know, you get a, mm-hmm. you get a nice balance in there. Yeah, so it it really comes down to plant makeup because just the volume of, um, you know, of fruit it's going to produce doesn't dictate whether it's a heavy feeder or not. You know, when you think about it, what a tomato plant produces compared to a, a pepper plant, you know, most times it's going to be, you know, many more fruit on a tomato plant compared to, you right. know, so that that logic doesn't quite add up, you know. Using that logic doesn't quite add up. No, and if um, you if you add fertilizers, not all plants need all fertilizers either. So that's yeah. like another yeah. layer to it. Yeah. So all of my brassicas I used, um, and you know, kind of even like all purpose fertilizer, but I could have been more focused. And at some point in the season, I may or may not. It depends. You know, um, that's the part that's that's hard when it comes for me. You know, if you've been doing it 20 years, 30 years, and maybe it's, it comes natural to you. Um, but for me, it's the needing to change your garden, wanting to change your garden, being forced to change your garden plan every year. Um, and then considering, all right, if I buy this, have you, there's a, a company that basically has tomato fertilizer, corn fertilizer, yeah. potato fertilizer, right? Like they sell it, market it is what's happening, you know, that way. And fortunately, they give you the makeup, you know, um, so you can basically figure it out on your own with some other, you know, um, some other brand where it's not just that. But, I mean, I guess the, on one hand, there could be a lot to consider um, and that could be a deterrent. On the other hand, most of us have pretty good success in our gardens without really breaking this down to the nth degree. Yeah. You know. Well, and I think there's so many products out there, it's more difficult, you know, because let's face it, mm-hmm. as gardeners and not like large-scale farmers, you probably mm-hmm. don't know the ins and outs of everything. And so when you go to the store and you're like, hey, I'm going to buy a fertilizer, and you see, mm-hmm. and it's like, here's a 10-10-10, here's a 12-10-9, here's a... Th- a three, 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 a five, seven, three, you know, and you're like, what the hell? Like, okay, well I want to feed them a lot. So I'm going to get them the 10, 10, 10 instead of the three, Mm -hmm, three, three. mm -hmm. Like it doesn't really matter. It's, it's all about looking like if you want to hire nitrogen, then get a 10, seven, seven. Or if you, you know, like for me, I need lower, um, 
phosphorus in my soil because I have too much. So I need to get something like a 10-7-10 or a 3-2-3 or something like that. You know, it's like, don't worry about like, just because it says 50-50-50, that doesn't make Mm -hmm. it any stronger. That's just like the ratios in it. So it's like, just get what you get. Make sure that the numbers are matching the way you want them to. If you want lower potassium, get lower potassium. If you want higher, not like this year, I'm using a, I think it's a 1377. So I have a little bit higher nitrogen in it. So I get a little bit more leaf growth, which should make my plants grow a little bit stronger. But then when I go to plant like my, um, my potatoes, I don't want to put extra nitrogen in there necessarily because I'll get more green growth than anything else. So (laughs) you get, I mean, let's, let's the elephant in the room, you know, your tomato tone, like you don't need to put tomato tone on your tomatoes. It ain't going to change nothing if you don't use a regular old 10, 10, 10 fertilizer. You know what I mean? Because then you're going to have like one bag for this, one bag for that, one cup for this, another space for that just gets overly confusing. Yeah, the interesting thing, though, is it, you you mentioned it earlier, and then you just alluded to it again, you know, it's um, it's like when you're starting an exercise routine, you know, what's the, the, the saying always? Consult with your doctor before starting this new routine. Yeah. Right? You know, um, and I equate that to, you know, the recommendation is often get a soil test before you start ordering, um, adding things to your soil. Right. You know, so you can say, oh, I know, I, you know, my garden beds are high in phosphorus because you got that soil test, right. which I still haven't gotten, by the way. Um, you've gotten that soil test. Right. You know, so, you know, where at that point, this was your starting point, And then you're either trying to compensate for the thing that it was lacking or manage against the thing that you had too much of, which I would assume was based on. Well, let me ask you, why do you think you, your garden was high in it's phosphorus? It's natural for it to be that way. Yeah, it's a, and especially in my area, it's natural for it to be high in phosphorus. It wasn't anything I've done because the whole thing with, um, and that's why I always say, like, you just use a well balanced fertilizer. Because if you use a 10 10 10, a 3 3 3, a 5 5 5, a 1 1 1, a 0. 0.1, 0.1, 0.1, it's all the same thing going in. So you're not throwing it out of balance. You know what I mean? And that's why most people would say, just use a well balanced fertilizer and you'll be just fine until you start to notice issues and then you start figuring it out. So when I did that soil test, I was having issues that year and the guy, the extension service, cause I got it back and it was like reading gibberish. I was like, what is going on? And so I called him and we were, you know, we talked for a good hour on the phone and he was like, well, what did you do different in your garden this year? And I was like, well, I put wood chips down. He was like, well, that's why you have almost no nitrogen in there. So he's like, get some blood meal and start feeding it blood meal, you know? And it's like, okay. And so that was how I raised the nitrogen levels up. And then he was like, just use a lower phosphorus thing. And, you know, he really broke it down for me to where I could understand it better. Um, yeah. And that was, you know, that was a good thing. And then I had like super high organic matter. And he's like, I've never seen organic matter this high. And it's because I had added unfinished compost, like large quantities of it too. Mm -hmm. the garden. He was like, yeah, that's going to take a while to break down. So you've got to feed the soil in order to get everything active to go back down and do it. Was that compost you added? That was your homegrown compost? It was a little bit of like everything. 
You know, and I had also put, I had put in the mulch, I had chopped up leaves, you know, all that stuff. So, but the problem was I didn't give it time to break down that year. I just did it and then I planted and I needed to give it some time through the winter to kind of break down. Yeah. So, I mean, if nothing else, um, you know, I, I know that sometimes we're moving really fast. You know, how many times you've gotten, have you gotten some, you know, piece of furniture that you need to assemble? And it's like, oh, I'll figure it out. You're hour in. It's like, let me look back at the, <laughs> the instructions, you know. So, uh, and I say that to say, because I've done it myself. That's like my maximum of handiness. So I try to go every time. It's like, oh, you know, it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> uh, insert crawling under the deck to try to get a screw that I'm like, I don't need. Yeah. Then realizing, oh, I need it. You know, um, take a close look. And the instructions are generally pretty short and to the point, yeah. you know, so you're not assembling, you know, garden beds or anything like that, you know, on the back of these fertilizer boxes. Um and obviously, again, you know, the responsible thing, the most responsible thing I think would be if you're starting a garden, you know, and you're getting soil in to do a soil test. And I believe it's recommended every every couple to few years to kind of see where you are. Um, it's also you can th- think about it like any of the annual testings we do for health. Yeah. You know, things could change significantly over the course of a couple of years. Well, I, I may be overstating it by saying significantly, but things can definitely change over the course of a couple of years. Um, I, I am kind of teetering on the keep on rocking with it until something looks like there's a problem you know, and then and then work through it. So that's a method, too. I'd be interested in maybe go over to the Facebook page. Um, if you haven't joined already, please do join Backyard Gardens Community Garden. And I'd be interested if Leonard's going to remember to put a post up regarding this, you know, how many people are commonly fertilizing their gardens. And part two of the question would be, are you giving any consideration to heavy feeders, you know, when you're planting? Yeah. My answer is no to both, (laughs) you know, spoiler. (laughs) Well, I think, but I think it's also because maybe we didn't know. You, you know, a lot about the heavy feeders. And now that you know, you may start to pay a little bit more attention. Like it'll always kind of be there, but mm-hmm, I don't think mm-hmm. you need to be like, all right, I can't, I can't put the squash here. It's a heavy feeder. I mean, just because it's a heavy, maybe just give it a little bit more fish fertilizer. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not, it doesn't have to be like rocket science. And I think it's, it's in the, the real issue for me came down to until I really learned was like all the products that you see out there. You know, mm-hmm. I really wish I lived in a time when it was like, you go to the store and you're like, hey, I wish I need some fertilizer. I'm like, all right, get that bag over there. And there's like only one to choose from, you know, like that's what yeah, I wish yeah, we right. had. But, you know, now it's like super complicated. So I think that's what causes a lot of problems. And some people like to just throw fertilizer constantly at it in excess amounts. And we got to really be careful of that because you do want it to get used up. You don't want mm-hmm, it just to sit there yeah. stored in your garden for the year. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent point. I think um, I do think it's just like most other things. You have so many options then, you know, it's a 
analysis paralysis yeah. paralysis analysis you know and um the marketing on some of this stuff is is pristine man like <laughs> they do a wonderful job at you know this is the thing you need i mean you have companies with the name miracle in it yeah. i mean <laughs> like, oh, genius is that right <laughs> um i actually get that question if a few times um a growing season you know not do you fertilize, but what kind of fertilizer you use. And I always interpret that. I could be wrong, but I always interpret that where I'm showing a plant that looks really good. Yeah. You know, A lot of times it's probably even before it fruits, but it looks really good. And so the assumption is I must be feeding it good, you know. Are you? Eh, roll the dice. Yeah. You know, <laughs> depending on the year. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, it's the right amount of water that factors into mm-hmm, it, the mm-hmm. right amount of... Um, sunlight and temperature there's yeah. a, there's a lot of things of disease and pest pressure you know mm-hmm. it's like you go out there and i know one thing that i look for is like the yellowing of leaves overall that are mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. disease or fungal yeah and once i start noticing that then it's like okay i need to throw some fertilizer to it you know mm-hmm. but now mm-hmm. that i know that there's a delay in the organic fertilizer I try and stay one step ahead and so the first time i think oh, I think I might need to put some fertilizer down. I just go ahead and do it or I inject it or whatever to kind of just get it. Because then I know that like, okay, I'm trying to do something, trying to get on top of it. And that's where I'll use that fish fertilizer a lot too because it does act more um, faster than your granular fertilizer. So I can go ahead and put that onto it, give it a good feeding. It's a light feeding, but it's a good feeding. Mm-hmm. And then give it that little boost. So when that other stuff kicks in, you know, I might do it one or two times, but then the other stuff should start to kick in and take over. And that's really been a good formula for me. Um, I will say, you know, some of the marketing on some of the packages, I mean, you go to your big box stores and you look at it and you're like, there ain't no way I'm not going to use this one. I mean, it's got a picture of a whole farm on it. And it's like, <laughs> I go to another place and I look around and they have organic fertilizer and it's basically in a paper bag. And yeah, if I can find yeah. that, that's what I try and get. Cause at least I know I'm just paying for fertilizer and not the design on the front, you know? <laughs> so, and yeah. I get a lot more it's, for uh, it. The marketing, the marketing is like when I remember when, um, natural became a thing that was common on yeah. labels, you know? And it's like, you see natural next to the one that doesn't have natural. You're like, why wouldn't I get the natural peanut butter? Right. Like, <laughs> there ain't nothing natural about Which it. Generally, it's a crock. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, there's always exceptions to every rule, but you know, it's, when you're looking into all that stuff, like, make sure you're reading your plants and you're seeing, like, hey, what's going on with it? The it's not as green as it should be, you know, because your your plant should be green. It should not have a yellow tint mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you see like brown spots around the leaves and stuff like that, you got something else going on. But as far as like just the overall plant health, um, if it's not producing like it should, that can be an indication as well. And I mean, there's also an argument that being said of you're late in the season, you really want to get something, you're not getting it, throw the synthetic fertilizer to it, get it that quick feeding and see if you can turn it around. You know, I think there's there's an argument for that as well. And I, I see absolutely no problem with that at all. Um, I just, like I said, I liked the idea in my head that I've created and I've read from other places that you, you want to feed the soil more than the plant. So just think about it that way. And then your compost and mulches and all that stuff, we can't say it enough. It makes a huge yeah. difference. 
um, it's the little, all the little things in gardening add up to the big overall picture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And don't I let your soil well drop out, dry out either, because you'll you're just killing all the stuff that you've been working on. That that's something else too. Don't let your soil dry out. And go, shout out again to my uh, indoor houseplant lovers. Um, don't let your plants sit in a bunch of water. Yeah. You know, it seems counterintuitive. Like, no, they need water to live. But you just, no one really wants to just sit in a bunch of water. I know that there are a handful of plants that prefer things soggier. Um, but I think they're the minority versus the majority. Um, and in nature, nature has a way to reconcile all of that. You know, so um, I have one garden bed in particular, and I'm keeping my eye on it, where the soil is heavier, and it has been since I originally put the soil in. And I, um, based on what's going to happen this year, so the drainage generally is the same. There's no bottom, there's on the concrete patio, there's no bottom to it. So it should drain the same as the other beds in theory, you know, but the soil makeup is different. Um, and so depending on what happens this year, um, I'll probably clear some of that soil out you know, I wouldn't clear the entire space out, but clear some of that soil out um, to give it a better chance going forward. Yeah. So I am seeing signs of perhaps, perhaps there's a, a bit more, more moisture than I would want there. Um, so it's something I'm keeping my eye on. Luckily it's just a small bed in my backyard. So we just had, um, there's like every two days we would get like downpours. So mm-hmm. I stopped watering and I'm actually putting off my mulching for about a week to let things kind of dry mm-hmm. out a little bit. And I mean, that's, yeah. that's part of it though. You got to read mm-hmm. the soil, read the plant. And it's like, no, nah, you know what? I don't have to mulch right now. Let me wait. Let me let things dry out a little bit so that I can get back on a consistent schedule. And then once you get on that yeah, consistent schedule, you know, because spring is always, I mean, April showers bring May flowers. That's what they say. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. generally speaking, unless you're having a drought, that is the truth. But what happens in June? It's dry as a damn bone, son. You got to hit the water mm-hmm. daily almost. Yeah, it's um, it's a pain in the butt. But I generally, if I don't have mulch on my beds, and I'm planting, I'll generally let those plants settle in for a bit, you know, on the short end a week, sometimes a couple of weeks. The pain is, one, you kind of feel like you're done with that bed, but now you got to come back and, you know, add some mulch. Two, it's a pain because you're giving at least a week to two weeks of for weeds to, to yeah. pop up, you know, around your plants. Um, but a part of the reason I do it is, especially if I'm sowing something directly, but a part of the reason I do it is I really want to kind of minimize what could be problematic. Right. You know, so it's sitting, my my transplants are sitting in the soil. There's nothing that, you know, it's getting too close to the stem. There's nothing that's retaining too much water. We've had, as of this recording, um, just consistent rain for probably like two or three days out of a week for the last two weeks. Right. You know, and... Everything that I've planted thus far has been initially watered and that's it. You know, in the spring, we've talked about, you know, watering a lot less, at least for for my area. But good night, you know, (laughs) Um, there's definitely some dampness that's happening. And that's a bad recipe right there. That's going to give you your diseases and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And not to mention, wash out your nitrogen. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll go back to the four. a, a con with delaying the mulching, which again, I generally do is splash up when you mentioned disease. It reminded me, 
you know, there's more opportunity for um, dirt to splash up onto your, your plant leaves. That's you know, why I need to mulch soon. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. why I need to mulch soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's minimized when you um, have mulch down, yeah. you know, so maybe I should be going out and mulching. No, you, you, well, so it's funny. I went out there um, this morning. I was looking and I was like, damn, I was like, there's dirt all over my plants. And that was the first thing I thought of was like the plants that's splashing up. You need to get on top of it. You need to get out there. You need to do it. And we'll do it. We'll get to it. But for right now, I mean, it's kind of like, what do you do? You know, you got to, you've got a balance act that you've got to do here. And you've also got a schedule you've got to work with for yourself. And if you're too busy and you got a lot going on and, Mm-hmm. You know, or it's your only free time, then go for it. But just know that you need, you know, you can't control the weather, but you can control the amount of water you put to your plants. Yeah, definitely. And so definitely. these are all things that kind of, they, they, like I said earlier, they all add up. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, as far as dealing with heavy feeders and stuff like that, it's mulching, composting, fertilizing, um, and think, don't think about it as fertilizing your actual plant, but think about it as feeding your soil. Because if you build a house and you're missing five center blocks, the damn thing's going to fall. So fill in those five center blocks, or in this case, three with your N, your P and your K. And while you're at it, join <laughs> us on Patreon, hit that subscribe button on Apple, become an Apple subscriber and get that extra episode every month. And until then, let's learn to grow and grow for change. See ya. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. If you guys want some Backyard Gardens gear, go to the link below and check out our t-shirts, mugs, pint glasses, and other gear. All purchases go towards helping to support the show, so thank you so much in advance, and we hope you enjoy. We want everybody to have a garden, and we're going to give you a chance to win free seeds every month. Head over to BackyardGardensTV.com and enter your email address to be entered in all of our giveaways. Good luck! We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners.